Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Uh, it's our second WeatherTech Sports Car Championship session. Uh, and shit, Adam, this is the one that is split up uh, and has the opportunity for uh, drivers at either end of the experience level to have a bit of time on the, the track to themselves. Free practice two, this one is. And this is the confusing one, John. Just to throw it out there, the start of this session, the first 15 minutes are for the non-pro cars only, i.e. you must have an AM driver, a bronze or a silver in your car, depending on which class you are, LMP3, GTD, and LMP2, which means that the last 15 minutes of this practice session, five 5.05 to 5.20, I think it is. Uh, that will be for the Pro Cars Only GTD Pro and the beautiful, wait for it, GTP machines. Thank you very much, Zero One Cadillac, for driving by. Give nice. me the uh, soundtrack for that. So, yes, we've got a bunch of these GT cars, uh, GTD cars and LMP cars ready to go out, including one car that I'm very interested to keep an eye on, John, because the 44 Magnus Racing Aston Martin, this car, which finished second at the 24 Hours of Daytona, should have the second best pit box for GTD, but by dint of the way that the pit lane is laid out and sister cars being assigned with their sister cars for GTD further up the pit lane, they're a little bit further back. But the driver starting off this session is none other than Spencer Pompelli, who has just gotten out of a race car from the Michelin Pilot Challenge. So he has been used to driving a Porsche, a Cayman GT4 RSCS uh, club sport. So now he gets reacquainted with the beautiful rumble of the Aston Martin. And that's going to be an interesting experience. As the green flag is out, I definitely want to talk to Spencer after he gets out of the car to find out what it's like to bounce back and forth between those two machines. Yeah, absolutely. What's the storylines been? What uh, what did we learn this morning in the the first session um, in terms of, uh, of what work was done out there by the team, Chef? much to be perfectly honest we had a lot of people pounding around for laps getting a good baseline on their cars but the problem is that the weather right now is not similar to what we are expecting for saturday which is race day i'll say that again saturday is race day for fans around the world uh, because yes precipitation is a possibility but also temperature it's supposed to be a lot cooler than it is right now uh, temperatures today going up potentially into the mid 80s although i will say it doesn't feel quite that warm right now but for race day, we're looking at potential of high in the mid-60s. So the running that we're getting out there now is basically just to get laps under the belt to make sure that all the pieces are screwed on correctly, that no bits are going to fall off, and that everybody remembers which way the track goes, which is relevant for a lot of the field who have never raced here before, and even more so when we get to night practice tonight, because there are a lot of drivers who must get night laps. Uh, 77 Fahrenheit in the air, 73 on the track. That's that is t- lovely. That's 25 Celsius in the air and 23 Celsius on the track. Hello to Kerry, who has just taken over in London.
to make sure that we're talking to the world, and we are, RS2, around the world, 100.9 FM. To get RS2, go to, uh, if you're here at the track and you want your friends who couldn't get here, couldn't get the time off work, or decided to go and do something else, <laughs> why? And why are you keeping them as friends, quite honestly? Um, get to RadioLamont.com or IMSAradio.com, and if you hit the Listen Live button, it will come up with a player, you can save that player onto the front page or the home screen of your device. And we have RS1, RS2 and RS3. And uh, for the action from Sebring this weekend, RS2, well, that's always IMSA Radio. So always IMSA content on that, 24-7 and 365. And RS1, well, a variety of things, including this weekend, the FIA World Endurance Championship. That is the home for that. We also have the... Uh, Nürburgring Langstrecker Series, which we'll have on Saturday, just before you'll be able to listen to some and watch some of that, actually, before the uh, race starts here. So that's all on imsaradio.com or radiolamont.com. Click listen live. Shit, Adam, who have you got in this early running? Uh, Klaus Backler out of the Faf Porsche. Klaus, have you raced at Sebring before? No, it's the first time for me to be here. Uh, it was really exciting. And I have to say, I love the track. It's not an easy one. It's really bumpy out there. But, um, yes, the practice was not bad. Uh, first practice for me. And uh, now we just try to improve. And um, it looks not so bad. It's so hard to believe. I mean, I know this is your first full season in IMSA, but a Porsche factory driver who's never raced at Sebring, what do you make of the place? Yeah, actually, I, I raced a lot in Europe, so it was always uh, busy in Europe, and it was difficult for me to do these races. Uh, I did just Daytona a few times, um, so it's really exciting to be here, and uh, it's really a cool track, a lot of fans here. I really enjoy it, and I uh, hope we have a good race. The team won here in 2021. Patrick's won here twice. Patrick Pile, your full-season co-driver. And Lawrence Vantor won here with FAF in 2021. So do you feel like you have the right people around you telling you how to win this race? 100%. I'm in a, I'm in a really good group of people. Uh, we have a very strong team, uh, really strong teammates. And uh, I have everything uh, what we need to have. And I can learn a lot from them. They have so much experience. And we try to do our best for this weekend. And hopefully in the end we are in position one. Now, you haven't experienced everything yet because the atmosphere is still building for this weekend. But how do you compare this event to the Nürburgring 24? And has anyone warned you about Green Park and going over there? It's just as exciting as going into the forest. I have to say, I'm really impressed how many spectators are here, how many fans. And uh, we just have free practice. So for sure, it's. I told this to Patrick yesterday when we did the track walk. Uh, it feels a little bit like driving at the Nordschleife. You arrive here, there's already all the parkings, uh, the, the campers are already here. And I can't wait uh, when we have the race to see all these guys out there and really hope we have a great race. Enjoy night practice tonight, that's something special. Enjoy night practice, it's very special. Yeah, thank you very much. Smashing lads, uh, Klaus Backler. Has he never raced here? How has he never raced? How is that possible? I, I hadn't clocked, to be honest, that he'd not done a full season here before. But of course, it makes perfect sense because he was always based in Europe. Um, but not to have been here before. He's done Daytona before, and I think he's done Petite before, but not oh. 
I don't know about Petit. Oh, really? Is I think all one? of his starts came at Daytona. Right. Um, okay. I do have that written down in a notebook somewhere, but unfortunately that somewhere is back in Utah. <laughs> That's useful. Well, you know, I don't think I'm going to need that information on any given weekend. I can look it up on the computer tonight, actually. I can do that. All right. That seems reasonable. Yeah. All right. So just remind everybody who we've got out at the moment, Cher. Uh, we have the GTD cars, we have the LMP2 cars and LMP3, and there are no restrictions as to which drivers can take those cars out on track. It is open to the class, not the grading as it used to be, so that makes things a little bit easier to keep track of. And what end of the pit are you in at the moment, Cher? Uh, I'm making my way toward the end of the pit that is still populated, i.e. pit out, which is where we find most of our GTD Pro and our GTP cars. So uh, hoping to try and find more drivers who are waiting to get aboard their mighty stallions. Ooh, I see one. I, I see a Tommy Milner. Hang on here, let me uh, dive in with Tommy. Hey buddy, you've won this race twice before and now you're focusing on the 12 hour again instead of the eight hour. Are you grateful for those four extra hours? Uh, it depends on the car and the, and, and the, and the situation obviously. Uh, no, it's, it's cool to be racing in the 12-hour again. Um, last year was uh, was fun, for sure, doing the whole WEC Wex, Wex championship. Uh, but definitely weird to race on Friday and not on Saturday. All right, so now we've got a Corvette that is still racing on Friday, but it is a very different program to what you guys are running. Nick Katzberg still over there, though. Is there any usable information that's translatable between the two programs? Uh, when Nikki's driving, definitely not. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yes, there is. So already we've seen, we can learn about the track a little bit, you know, with the history that we have here with these cars. We know kind of anticipating pace levels and things like that. So there's some, some transfer there. And then also there's some setup options that still will apply. Based stuff that works for them can potentially work for us. We can compare notes as well. Um, just kind of what we expect sometimes what the car should be doing. If it's doing something different, we can compare with those guys and see what they're saying as well to see if, if it's track-induced, if it's something that we're doing as well. So um, definitely still helpful to have, have uh, you know, that second car, just different tires, different championship, but same racetrack. So. Very different tires. I'm glad that you hit on that because the Michelin Confidential is what they're allowed to run over here. In this paddock, you're running the S9M, so it is a very different uh atmosphere does that make your life more difficult you ran this car last year on those confidentials yeah i mean realistically most of my experience at sebring is with technically a, what we considered a confidential tire obviously it evolves every year um so my most recent experience is with the confidential tire but uh, you know driving daytona you get some experience there um, did some sim work before the weekend here on, on the customer tire. So um, it'll definitely be a little bit different. It does take take a moment to, the good thing is, I think the harder transition is go to go from the customer tire to the confidential because you've got to push your brake zones later. You've got to be faster in entering all the corners. Um, I think slowing down ends up being a little bit easier. You can find the limit a little bit faster. So uh, that's the theory at least. Well, I'll put it to practice here in the session. Good luck going for win number three this week. Thank you. Uh, Jeremy Shaw immediately went to work and looked up Klaus Backler's IMSA uh, career. 
And Jeremy, what did you find? Yeah, well, each of his seven starts in the WeatherTech series, dated back to 2014, have been at Daytona in the 24 hours. So, uh, yeah, that's the only experience he has here wow. in, uh, in, in uh, the WeatherTech series. Extraordinary. Yeah. Absolutely extraordinary. Full season for him this year. So he's got some... Well, he's, he's got some very nice uh, circuits to go to for the first time. It's nice to go to new places, and particularly when yeah. you've been around, and I, and I mean this in the nicest way, Klaus has been around for a, a wee while, but for him not to have raced at Sebring, at Watkins Glen, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Sega, Road America, Mossport, CTMP. That's going to be a big season for him. Road Atlanta, Mission and Raceway Road Atlanta. Yeah. It's going to be a big season for him, isn't it? It is. He's, he's, he's in for an eye opener, and I think he's really going to enjoy it. He, his records at the Nürburgring is pretty special. And those, particularly those roads, classic road circuits that I've mentioned there, yeah, that'll be right in his wheelhouse. Uh, could have been at the Nürburgring this weekend, of course. A number of people have had to forego the first round of the Nürburgring Langstrecker series, the long distance series, still organised by the VLN. It's an amazing nine race series with each of the race weekends organised by a different auto club under the auspices, under the umbrella of the VLN. And then, of course, the big one, not in the championship, is the qualifying weekend with a, four, a two and a four hour race, six hours of racing. And the 24 hours, the ADSE 24 hours of the Nürburgring, not in the championship, purely a standalone event, but an absolute unbelievable, an absolutely unbelievable spectacle from uh, anywhere that you would wish to look at it. And one of the great German sporting events, to be honest, started... I'm trying to remember when we started doing it. I think it might have been 2007, somewhere around there, 2006, 2007. And it was a, a very German race at that time. But with the, uh, with the advent of um, console games and sim rigs, more and more people got used to it. Gran Turismo really, I think, is what took it to, to the world. And uh, it's now a fully international race. And great to see some of the Brian Herter drivers, the Hyundai drivers, heading out there. They've done their first ring permit. And yeah. they've got to do a little bit more and get some laps in and some timing to be uh, to be considered for the 24-hour race. Yeah, I was talking to Brian Herter about that briefly yesterday. And uh, I was telling him that when, yeah, when I was driving a little bit more regularly than I am now, uh, that was that was my... That was my sort of ultimate goal was to compete in the or race at the Nürburgring in, in the 24 hours there. Uh, no, not not Le Mans. Uh, may, probably Spa because I did at least race a one of those sorts of cars that would race there. But uh, Nürburgring, that was the one I really wanted to get. I never, I I, I, I've, been, I've been around the track. I've been driven around the track, but I haven't actually driven it myself. Have you not? I've driven the it Nürburgring. Myself, no. I've, only no, I've only driven around around the track properly once, I think actually. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I've got a One few laps in around there for a variety of manufacturers. Um, and Joe Bradley will, will tell you it's quite an exciting place to be. It's not just about the excitement of the car. The place, yeah, even in a fairly sensible car, Joe, is quite exciting, isn't it? What's that? The uh, Nürburgring Nordschleife. Oh, mate, you, you can keep it. 
it's it's far too crazy, even for me. Uh, I've always said that about that race. Um, talking about exciting, though, uh, one of the exciting um, young drivers that have sort of come to my attention recently is one Nolan Siegel, who's in the 0-4 CrowdStrike Orica in the LMP2 class. But, Nolan, before we talk about the Sebring 12 hours, I want to say what a great weekend you had at St. Pete's in the Firestone Next series. I mean, you almost you almost pulled it off and won the race. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a great weekend. Um, the HMD Motorsports guys gave me a great car, and um, it was fantastic to be fighting for the win in the first weekend of the season. So I think we're going to have a great year in that series. It certainly looked it certainly looked a, fr- a frantic and eventful race. Great practice, I think, for this weekend in the LMP2 classes. That's going to be a frantic and a, and a fast pace in this class. Yeah, yeah, um, it'll be my first race in LMP2 in IMSA, so really looking forward to it, and, you know, it's a great car with a great team, and I think we're going to have a great weekend here as well, so great to come off of a good weekend at St. Pete and carry that momentum here into Sebring. What's it, what's it like having a driver, Ben Hanley there, sitting alongside you on the perch? What's it like having Ben? I mean, Ben is, you know, he's got such experience, he's done Le Mans, he's done this race before. How much information, how much experience can you glean from, from his yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, Ben's obviously, you know, very experienced and very well known in the paddock. So um, having someone like him to to look at data and you know learn from is is fantastic, and it'll help me a lot this weekend and um, help me a lot through my career. What was it like when you first drove out onto the Sebring track? I mean, it's it's renowned for being bumpy. Did you believe just how bumpy? It's it's definitely. It's difficult, um, especially in the LMP2 car. It's not a, you know, it's not a car that's made to go over bumps like this. Um, so, so it's an interesting experience, but really enjoying it. And, um, you know, it's it's not too bad. It's not too bad. I'm getting used to it. Are you out in the car at this session? Is all three drivers going to get a turn? I believe so. Yeah, we should all get a chance to drive and get some more laps in. Great stuff. Great to see you. Well done again for last weekend. It was last weekend, wasn't it? it was. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Thanks. Uh, was it last weekend? No, it was the weekend before. It was the weekend before. You panicked me there, but yes. Um, she and I called the Mitsubishi MX-5 race. But yes, smashing lad, Nolan Siegel. Uh, we are not seeing at the moment out on the pit lane, Shea Adam, either of the RLL BMW hybrid GTPs. Uh, no, no, we're not. And um, I've just walked by their pit box, and it was disturbingly empty from both sides. Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five, about 15 people lingering in back where the 24 BMW calls home, and two where the 25 BMW calls home. Um, we've got the pit close well, lights uh, on. The, Is that for reference only? Uh, let me check. Yes, indeed. Okay, okay. I just had a, a tweet at IMSA Radio, and thanks to Steph who's back with us again this weekend on site. She said the BMW hybrid cars are not very happy right now. One of them's just rolled back into the paddock. No power that I could hear. The other is in the awning with the front section, the nose of the car. Oh. So, and we did, didn't we have one crawl to a halt at the end of the last session, which finished the uh, session? No, we had one wound up in the tires at turn 17, uh, Sheldon Vandalinda. With uh, yes, right. left front damage to that car, but it, it was the Maya Shank car, wasn't it? That yes. had all the problems with the steering wheel. Yep. Uh, is that car out in this session? Yes. Yeah, and yep. it actually uh, Colin Brown took it out. Uh, it fired up once again, actually firing up in its pit box, not leaving on the electrical power, and it it still sounded not 
great, but it sounded better than it did the last time it ran, if that makes sense. Okay. Might be uh, worth seeing if we can get a, a word with that team. An awful lot for them to uh, discuss. And of the uh, 24 GTP drivers uh, amongst the eight cars, only 14 of them have turned a lap in that first session this morning. So uh, uh, they'll be... Uh, I'm sure they'll be anxious to get a few laps in during the daytime now before we get into night practice later on this evening. I wonder if what you know, Shea said this this morning, Jeremy, and, I, and I, I wasn't sure about it, but I wonder if there is some a, a bit of, well, if it's going to be pouring a rain on Saturday, why are we pounding around now on a circuit that won't give us any data for anywhere else the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, but you're, yeah, you're always learning something, aren't you, whenever you're driving a racing car, like uh, when you're flying a plane, every time you go up in the air, you learn something, and certainly the case here, but uh, yeah, and it's not supposed to rain all day on Saturday, in any case, I okay. don't think, at least last, last, last I looked, it's constantly changing the forecast when, I, when I've been looking at it over the days, they're talking now, actually only, only a 21% chance of rain on, on Saturday, which is a lot less than it was um, so that's a 79% chance it'll stay dry then. Indeed, there you go. There I like you go. To, I'll, drink, I'll drink to that. I, well, I was about to say glass half full, but I, I'll be, I'm, I'm much happier with a 79% full oh, glass oh, than a 50% oh, yeah. glass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, so, St. Patrick's Day, of course, coming up. And oh, that's, uh, right. that's tomorrow. And uh, always... As soon as you know that uh, it's this time of year, you know that Sebring, you're looking for where the 17th uh, of March is. Uh, Nick Damon's birthday next week on St. George's Day, 23rd. Next next Thursday. What day is it today? 16th. Okay. 16th, so yeah. It's Alexander Sims' birthday yesterday. It's Tony's Kazmitz tomorrow. Uh, Sheena Monks today. Happy birthday, Sheena. Uh, she's driving the uh, Gradient Racing... JG uh, Wentworth, Acura Economist 66. Happy birthday to her. She in the wheel, who's driving that car at the moment? Number 66 car driven by Mark Miller at the moment. We're uh, heading into another very busy few weeks of sports car racing. I remember talking at Daytona about us going to Bathurst. That was four consecutive weekends for us here on the Radio Show Limited network of audio and visual channels. Um, this week, obviously, we've had a race. We've had a couple of races today. We'll have another Porsche Deluxe Carrera Cup race uh, later on today uh, before we go into qualifying for WEC and night practice for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Then qualifying for WeatherTech tomorrow along with the eight hours or 1,000 miles of Sebring for the WEC, and then, of course, the 71st running of the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring. We also have Nürburgring NLS 1 tomorrow, and we'll have coverage of that over on RS1 and on RadioLamont.com with the video stream on there. With the official English language team. Weather permitting, I have to say, they didn't get any practice done last weekend at all. It was too cold and icy. And then next weekend, we start the European tour for uh, Kravendik and 
their 24 hour series, although it's only a 12 hour race from Mugello next week, not this weekend, but next weekend. And uh, it'll be Nick Damon, Ben Constituris, Joe Bradley, and me. Oh, beautiful, beautiful place to go. Looking forward to that one. Uh, let's head back down to the pit lane and the birthday just mentioned by uh, Jeremy Shaw for Sheena Monk. Sheena, please forgive me for not realizing the date earlier. Happy birthday. Is there anything better than getting to drive a race car at Sebring on your birthday? No, and ironically, I swear this is my favorite place on the entire planet. Like, people are like, oh, you know, you don't like to travel. You want to go to the Bahamas or whatever. I'm like, no, honestly, I would rather be at Sebring than absolutely anywhere. Well, the best thing is you get a new experience today. You get to drive Sebring at night as well in a competitive session. How is the Gradient Racing Acura so far? How is the Gradient Racing Acura so far? Well, fortunately, at the test in February, I was able to experience the Acura at night, um, and it's a completely new experience for me. You know, I um, was doing some night laps at Daytona, um, and so that was my first time driving at night, but Sebring is a completely different animal. It is so unbelievably dark on the backside of the track. Um, but so far, the, the car's handling really well. You know, we're just trying to work through um, a little bit of issues. Um, just, you know, getting the setup really dialed into where we want it to be. Um, but it's really about getting a race car that's strong through the night. The weather hasn't been terrible so far. It was nice and chilly this morning. Now we're at a moderate heat for the day. Are you guys thinking maybe if the rain holds off, this is the condition that we could possibly get for the race? Yeah, I would say so, but, you know, Florida really is like a roll of the dice when it comes to trying to figure out the weather. So, you know, uh, I, I know that the percentages have been going down for the possibility of precipitation, but um, I, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of hard to tell until Saturday gets here. Any chance of a birthday cake later? I think so. I heard that they got me, I think, a chocolate chip cheesecake, I think, which, which sounds really, you know, that's a, a new birthday cake for me. So breaking news, John, I'm going to Gradient Racing for dinner. Cake. Cake. Cake is good. Thank you. Great to hear, Sheena. Jeremy and I just commenting that she's always got something interesting to say. Something that makes... I said to Jeremy, every time I've spoken to her in the this season, certainly, um, she's made me think and she's made me laugh. And I, I think that's probably too decent... Uh, uh, two decent things to say about anyone if they can uh, make you consider what they've said and uh, give you a little bit of a chuckle as well. And that was Sheena Monk down there at Gradient. The only NSX that is in for the whole season. The other car, the 93 car, just in for the longer races, the Mission Endurance Cup, which obviously will keep you updated with over the weekend. Jeremy Shaw and John Hindoff in the Global Broadcast Centre. 100.9 FM around the track, around the world on RS2. It's uh, Shea and Joe down in the pit lane. Uh, four or five laps completed now by the, most of the GTP cars. We've got six of them out on track or have set lap, set lap times, including Alexander Sims, who's set the fastest time of the day so far, 147.659. The quickest time... This morning, in the uh, in the earlier practice session, was a one forty seven point 
the six was it? Uh, 48, excuse me, in the 48s there were this morning. Uh, well, 48.3 was the fastest time. That was Philip Albuquerque right uh, toward the end of, uh, right before there was a stoppage, wasn't it? Uh, in the Acura, 148.3, but the fast time this afternoon, 47.6 then for Alexander Sims. Maddie Campbell in the Porsche that had some problems this morning, car number seven, second fastest now also into the 47. So 47.974 for the Aussie. Ricky Taylor is third uh, at a 48.5 and a 48.7 for Colin Brown in car number 60, getting his first laps of the day. Really pleased that Colin has managed to get this opportunity yeah. with a, a full-time, big-time front-of-the-field team. Came so close to winning the championship a few years ago in the LMP2 cars against the DPIs. Yeah. And in fact, it led to a change of regulation. And then that was the start of the P2 cars being slowed down and that's P class being split up so that the uh, the manufacturers uh, weren't getting beaten by an LMP2 car spin right in front of Colin Brown and that is the third place car in uh, LMP3 Seth Lucas for RV Motorsports in the red, white and black machine once again that I think that change of surface Jeremy right in the middle of turns What's that? That'll be three into four, four into five, isn't it? And there's, yeah. a, there's a real change of surface. You see it's more at this time of day when the sun's gone up over the top. And there's just a patch there that I think is catching one or two drivers. Out. Mm, actually, he might have gone before that. Yeah, just got a bit too much uh, right foot happy, I think, there, young Seth Lucas, making his debut this weekend. A youngster, just 17 years of age, driving in that number four car for... Arve Motorsports, Tony Arve. Apparently, he was over ambitious with his talk demand there so, if we were yeah, doing Formula it. One. In wrong um, speak. Yeah. <laughs> Sharing that car is, is Seth with uh, Tony Kazimitz, uh, who uh, has a birthday tomorrow, 17th Friday, yep. And uh, Trenton Estep, good to see him back in an LP3 car as well from San Antonio in Texas. Yes, makes me laugh when I'm uh, watching the uh, the Formula One coverage and the talk demand and uh, yes. grip limited and all that sort of stuff. Making it more complicated than it needs <laughs> to be, really. So we haven't seen either BMW yet in this session. No, negative. They're both back mm. in the, the, the paddock, yeah. as we were saying. Yeah, that's right. Uh, one came back in dead stick. The other one is in pieces at the moment. Mm. I think we've got... I, I'm not sure whether it's Joe or Shea who's popping back there to uh, go and see the RLL lads and lasses. We'll see if we can uh, get some news from them, at least. But not a happy session here. Down Goldberg to second in LMP3. That's in the Brady 5 car for JDC, Muller Motorsports. Heard from him a little while ago. Just ahead of Jared Andretti in the Andretti Autosport car number 36. And then Josh Burden, who drove with Andretti last season uh, in the long-distance races. Josh now driving for Riley Motorsports in car number 74. He's in the fourth position in LMP3 at the moment, just ahead of Seth Lucas. Really fast time that was early in this session by Christian Rasmussen. 
150.6. He was two and a half seconds quicker than everybody else in LMP2. He was also the fastest guy this morning as well at a uh, 50.9, I think it was, he turned this morning for the uh, the Dane. Uh, so he is uh, he's he's on a mission this weekend. He's really enjoying this opportunity. His first time in sports cars this year and really, really enjoying it and taking full advantage of it as well. So everybody allowed to be out right now in this session. And uh, he did one race last year, of course, he did last year. Shea Adam uh, on her way uh, to RLL, not there yet. But the news is not good. <laughs> I've just seen uh, Kerrigan Smith and Connie Nyholm out of VIR, and Kerrigan said they're just sitting there. That's not a good sign. I'll be back to them in probably two minutes. Okay, thank you, Shit. New fastest time in GTD Pro, John. The Corvette, Antonio Garcia, goes fastest in GTD Pro with a 2 minutes 1.338. Uh, about a tenth of a second behind the best of the GTD non-pro cars. That's Russell Ward in car number 57. Flash of the lights for Mathieu Jaminet in the number 6 Porsche as he comes up on traffic. The six, by the way, is the white pinstripes on the nose of the car and across the top of the cockpit. Also, the white swooshy flashes down the side. Swooshy flashes is, in fact, the exact technical term for those down the side of the Porsche. But it's not. Well, that translates to in German. The seven lot, car... Many more letters, probably. Yes, yeah. Uh, the seven car has the black pinstripes and swoosh. Let's. Uh, Seb Prio second now in GTD, oh. just ahead of Antonio Garcia. Uh, a 201.252 then for Prio. That's the number 80 AO Racing Porsche. The T Rex car. Can't miss that one with the big jaws on the front. GT3 Roar. Thank you very much. So it's GTD non-pro cars first and second then of the uh, sedan-based cars at the moment. Number 57 head number 80. Then it's the first of GT pro, GTD pro cars, Antonio Garcia's Corvette. Next up is uh, the number 12 non-pro Lexus. Aaron Tielitz set that time very early in this session. Followed by two more pro entries. David de Rigon for... The recent competition Ferrari team and Jack Hawksworth in the Lexus car number 14, the two pro cars there yeah, yeah. together. So, as usual, uh, super tight amongst all of the GTD cars. The top at the moment, yeah, seven or eight, including pros or non-pros, covered by about three-tenths of a second. Cher Adam is uh, at the RLL area of the paddock for the BMW prototypes, the GTP cars. Shea, what, what do you see? Uh, the 24 is out on track, which is the good news. Right. The 25 is still back in the garage, unrelated to the crash earlier, which was very much superficial damage. And thank you to Tom Plasinski for the information. They are replacing a torque sensor, which is in the back of the car on the number 25. The repair job is almost done, and the car should be out here shortly. Okay. Thank you, Shit. Number 24 stuff. cars just completed its second lap then with Philip Eng at the wheel. 
Uh, let's go to Joe Bradley, who's down at Inception. And just before we do, the performance tech number 38, red, white, and black prototype, has Guess gone who? around. Guess That's who? at turn five again. Managed not to hit anything. Now, that's uh, Robert Mao. That's at least the third time I think yeah. we called his name today. So, Robert. Each time pointing in the wrong direction. Different, different parts of the track, though. In fairness, he hasn't put at the same corner twice yet. The Jacques Villeneuve approach. <laughs> well, but Jacques Villeneuve is here, of course, so he could go and ask him some advice. Sorry, Gilles Villeneuve approach. Is Jacques here? Yeah, of course he's raced oh, in WEC. Joe Bradley down at uh, Inception McLaren, I think. Yeah, the number 70 Inception McLaren. Um, Ollie Milroy, one of the drivers down there, sharing the car with Frederick Shandoff and uh, Brendan Ariba as, as ever. Um, great, great successful start of the 2023 IMSA season. Um, so far, so good here at Sebring? Yeah, so far, so good. Um, we're here, we've got uh, the new uh, 2023 Evo update on the car, um, which is new to the McLaren, and this is the first time it's been run with the Michelin. So there's a bit to learn. We need to dial the car in a little bit. Um, but it's, yes, yeah, so far so good. And like you say, Daytona was a really solid start. I mean, it's one of those races where you come away with third feeling like you, you lost, you know. But it's, we've still got to be happy that, that we were there in, in the fight right to the end of the race. Yeah, Sebring completely different. Well, Sebring's completely different everywhere, isn't it? How's the McLaren handling the, 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 the infamous bumps here? Um, I think Sebring probably favours the front engine cars a little bit with this, you know, the sort of way you're braking and turning a lot, especially over the bumps and stuff. I think it probably unsettles the mid-engine cars a bit more than it does the Merc and the BMW and stuff. But um, we had a strong race here last year. We were fifth here last year. So, um, and it's, it's easy to come off the back of a 24-hour thinking that this is a short race. You know, it's still half a day long. It's still a long old race. It's a proper endurance race. Um, and there's going to be more to it than just ultimate pace, I think. So we're just trying to really dial the car in today to have a good race car uh, come Saturday afternoon. You mentioned the Evo kit, Ollie. What, what exactly is that? What, what, what have they done? Um, so we've got uh, like extra front dive planes. Um, we've got a quick release, uh, quick release bumpers now as well. So from a front bumper used to take 20 minutes to change. It's now 20 seconds, which is huge, especially in IMSA where. You know, you could get that back quite easily with safety cars and stuff. So, um, and then a couple of other little things like uprights and stuff like that. A lot of it's sort of reliability related, really. Um, so, you know, we're not feeling a massive difference in the car. We just need to just dial in the balance and get the most out of it. So that's not translating into outright performance. It's more of, a, of an evolution towards getting you through an endurance risk. And all that can be thrown at you in that. Yeah, it's a combination. I think the main focus was was reliability and also um, drivability and traffic as well. I think with the extra dive planes, that just means that we don't lose quite as much front downforce when we're in, in a tow from other cars. So I think we'll see the benefits of that more through the racing than we will in just lap time. But um, yeah, but, but the car feels really good. Um, like you say, Sebring's fun. Like last year was my first time at Sebring. There was a lot to take in. It's coming back. You know where the bumps are. You know how to hit them, and it's it's a uh, it's a fun place. And so we're looking forward to the race on Saturday. Yeah, yeah we are too. Great stuff, all. Thanks, thanks, Ollie Melroy down there in the pit lane. Gabriel Casagrande has jumped into the 62 racing car, taking over from Davide Rigon.
Yeah, making his, I think, probably North American debut. Debut. Uh, certainly, ah. um, certainly IMSA debut. Ah. Actually, I'm being told by Cher, he ran Daytona in 2014 for Performance Tech and finished third. Fair point. Right. Thank you, Cher. So, very interesting. Uh, at RS, uh, at uh, IMSA Radio for this session. Nice to know that you're there. And hello to Blur Fiend, uh, who is over at Turn 7. Toasty out here today, he says. Having some fun with this second session of IMSA WeatherTech. Good point. And uh, had a few more cars. Just about everybody's been out now. Still not seeing the second of the BMWs, which was having a sensor replaced when she went back to the paddock. So let's have a VP Racing Fuel in-session update for you. Wheel and Engineering Cadillac V-Series.R, 147.6, the best time in this session. It's three-tenths better than the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsports, Porsche 963 on a 47.9. 48.5 for the best of the Acuras, that's the... Konica Minolta Acura will win Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport, number 10 car. The similar car, different colours of course, for Meyershank Racing with Curb Agajanian, 148.7, 148.8 for Mathieu Jaminet, just pitted in the 963, number 6. Then it's Philippe Eng for BMW, the number 24. Just done 149.0 and the Riley LMP3 is off at Tower. That's the number 74 car. Josh Burden, second place in LMP3, but red flag for that. Let me just quickly finish the uh, rundown as we're not missing any action on track, obviously. Now, uh, Philip Eng, we've got two. Scott Dixon's out in the 0 1. He'll be coming back uh, in that Chip Ganassi run Cadillac V Series.R. He's done a 149.5. So the top, how many was that? Seven, under two seconds between them at the moment. Then the LMP2s, Aero Motorsport number 18 with a 150.5. Well ahead, actually, of everybody else. Nolan Siegel was out in the crowd strike racing by APR number four car, 04 actually. 52.2, for high class, and Anders Fjord back in there, traditionally number 20. The 52. PR1 Matheson Motorsport cars had Alex Quinn at the wheel. He's already back in the pit on a 53-0. 53-7 for Francois Ayrault. He's in the number 35 TDS racing t car. And Eric Lux for Eric Ware Racing in the 51 has done a 54-4. Let's move on to LMP3. Sean Creech Motorsport in the Stars and, Spri Stars and Stripes 33. Say that fast after you've been out on St. Patrick's Night and you might be struggling. 157-0 against a 57-5 for the Josh Burden-Riley, but that has stopped out on the circuit, as we reported. Lars Kern, the Nürburgring specialist, particularly in road cars, and a very tidy race driver as well. He's racing for AWA this weekend in the number 13 Duquesne LMP3. He's done a 57-6, good enough for third. Fourth on a 57-8 is JDC Miller Motorsports. Dan Goldberg, that's another Duquesne, so the number 85 car. Fifth, Jarrett Andretti in the black and white number 36, Andretti Autosport Leisure with a 
8-2. And on a 59 flat, Ave Motorsport, Seth Lucas in the number four. And that's another Leisure. GTD, Indy Donchi for Windward Racing, is at the, that car's at the top of the times with a 201.2 ahead of Seb Priol for AO Racing. That is the bright green Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, Rexy coloured car, and that's the number 80. Uh, next in the GTs is the best of the GTD Pro cars. That's Antonio Garcia for Corvette Racing, uh, and he's done a 2013. Also on a 2-0-1-3 is Frankie Montecalvo, who's third in GTD, fourth GTT car. And making up the top six in GT are uh, two GTD pros, Richie Competizione, the 62 Ferrari, and the Vassa Sullivan, number 14. And that's how they stand on your VP Racing Fuel in session update as we have... 42 minutes down, 47 to go. But remember, the last 15 minutes are for the pro cars only. Uh, and that is the in-race update powered by VP Racing Fuel. Share, Adam. With Spencer Pompelli. Spencer, you don't get any time off, do you? Fresh out of the BGB Porsche. Good job out there, by the way. And now, well, I mean, you finished. And still in the championship hunt, which is the most important thing long-term in the season, as far as we're concerned. We're thinking big picture here straight into the Magnus Racing Aston. How hard is it to switch your brain over? So I know you got a ton of races that you follow and different people finishing, but our race had ended in uh, turn seven when one of the Mustangs just ran me off the road and ripped the right front off. Unfortunately, that was a bad day for our BGB guys. The car was really good. I only did two, three laps in it, and uh, we moved up five spots, and I uh, just really felt like we had a good piece today. And that was a brand-new chassis. It sucked to see it coming back on the hook, and... Uh, I just feel really bad for all the guys that have put a lot of work into getting that car ready to go. But, you know, we've got to move on. The next thing is right here. This is in front of us. Saturday's a big day. Um, Magnus has got a lot of good finishes in these endurance races, and I've never won Sebring. I think we have a car this weekend that could do it. So that's our focus now. You've been second a couple of times here. How frustrating is that when you come so close? I've been second a lot at Daytona, but I got a win or two. That makes it a lot easier to swallow. Here I've been second a ton without that win. It's tough. But, uh, you know, you got Magnus racing. All these guys here, all the help we get from Aston Martin, uh, everything we have is, uh, you know, top-notch. So I think hopefully it's just a matter of uh, time and we can uh, get one this weekend. I feel good coming to the race. Does it make it a much different experience when all of a sudden you're racing with two of your really good friends? Yeah, it's, well, you know, what? It's a, it's a level of trust I have with these guys that uh, I, you know, I trust a lot of the guys I've worked with in the past, but it doesn't quite go as deep as when I'm working with Andy and working with John. And I've gotten to work with them and know them so well that I feel like the sum of our parts is way better than the whole, you know, or the, you know what that saying says. I don't know. Anyway, um, so, you know, Andy says something, and I know for sure that that's my information we can go forward with. John says something. I know for sure that's information we can go forward with, and it really helps get us a good package. This car was strong at Daytona. Do you think it's going to be strong at Sebring? I'm actually, uh, I was a little worried uh, coming here because, this isn't necessarily as quite a good of a track for us, but this thing handles the bumps so well. And uh, this morning, I think we were, you know, top half of the charts. Uh, so I think we actually might have a better car than we realize. I don't think we're the car to beat, but we might be one of the cars that can beat that car. Apologies about getting the race wrong uh, earlier, but hey, good luck this weekend and hope you do get that first one. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it. Hey, um, Mike Rogers and uh, his kids are out there watching me today, so I appreciate him coming here. Hey, guys, hope I run into you at the end of this session. And uh, yeah, everyone who's here, fan-wise, I did a jog on Wednesday. It was insane. I love this event, and I'm so glad to see everybody here. It, it, it looks like Saturday already. 
I, I, I am not kidding you. I know we say this about these events on a fairly regular basis, Jeremy, but Petit Le Mans last year, um, Thursday looked like Saturday. We're Thursday here again. And once again, for the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, it's, it's getting back to its absolute best. People are travelling from all over the world. There's more people come across from Europe. Obviously, yeah. that is more accessible than it has been in the last few years for reasons that we all know. But it's just a great atmosphere. Even the people I saw hanging around in the early part of the week after the WEC prologue, getting set up early. And still people pulling in. There's another RV just pulled in right opposite us. Yeah. A nice uh, Polar Silver. Is that a 993? I think it is. 993 with the yellow indicators on. Looks like a close relative of Sally from, uh, from Cars. Actually, just fired up. Um, because it's in the, in the gap where that motorhome wants to go. Really good atmosphere again here. So yeah. thank you for voting with your feet and your wallet and your time to come down here and join us. 100.9 FM. Also, if you do have to go away from the track on Friday and Saturday when the uh, big races are on, the... Local radio frequency is 99.1 FM across the Central Highlands region. Thanks to WWOJ and WWTLK for loaning us their airwaves. So there are plenty of ways to get in touch. If you are further afield, by the way, the IMSA race on Saturday, Sirius XM... I've I think I saw 367, Sirius XM 367, not one of our usual channels, if I'm, I'm honest. I'll, I'll check that again, and uh, I'll speak to the responsible adult to find out wh where we are. Off at turn number That's number 31 three. car, isn't it? It's another straight on, Jeremy. If the uh, witness yes, marks it is. anything, it is. Go. It's number 31 car that was fastest. And I think Jack Aitken had just gone. Oh, yeah, he's locked it up from a long yeah. way back. It's yeah. a wheel and engineering car looking a little more black and red rather than red and white than it has done yeah. in the past. They've sort of adopted the faded colourway of the, the Cadillacs, have they not? Yeah, and uh, it, it, I think he ended up going to the tyres at a a pretty a low speed, rate, which, is good, yes. which is which is a good news. But that was a massive lock up there, and I think I'm pretty sure he'd just gone personal best in sector three, so he was going on to a good lap here. But um, he's not going to get around it, not, not without some help. Anyhow, hasn't yet been able to find reverse gear. Uh, I don't think he he didn't sort of smack into those tyres, did he? He did a good job of getting scrubbing as much speed up as he could, but he was unable, it would appear, to sort of get off the brakes and let the car do any turning. It just sort of went sort of straight on there. Fairly oblique angle into the tyre wall. Still under green at the moment. I'm sure the officials are waiting to see whether he can get maybe a, a word from the pits as to whether he can refire that car and get it back underway again without going full course. Red caution. flag Red has flag just okay. come out. Is it? Yep, I can see it. Waving on the start-finish line. Oh, there it goes <laughs> on the scoring. Mm. It's amazing that um, 
I know my eyesight isn't what it was, but waving flags is something I tend to pick up rather quickly. Yeah. Even when I'm watching the onboards. We, uh, it's something that... Uh, it, I don't know why. It just You just pick it up. It, it's why, actually, I don't like having advertising flags around the sides of circuits, particularly if they're red or green or blue. I think that's always asking for trouble because you, you're looking for that in a different context. So red flag then at IMSA Radio. Let me, uh, whilst I've got a moment then, I will just check that uh, Sirius XM programming and see where they've put us for the weekend. Uh, Every race, by the way, of the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, Channel 392, it is. Channel 392, Saturday, March the 18th. Uh, and that will start just after... Uh, I'll start at 10 past 10, or just a little before that. That's when we go green. Uh, that's 2... 2.10 in the afternoon in the UK. 3.10 in Europe. So that is a very different. I'd I'd set two or seven up in the car because that's when we normally are. So, XM Sirius two at uh, three nine two for the Mobile One twelve hours of Sebring at the weekend. For those of you a little further afield, accept that a twelve hour race is a bit of a commitment time wise, and that you might have to do some other bits and pieces. So you can take us with you either on RS2 IMSA Radio on your smart device and Bluetooth that to your car, or if you are suitably equipped, no laughing at the back there, please, uh, get your Sirius XM tuned in as well. Uh, Shea Adam has Ashton Harrison down in the pit lane. We'll take some uh, interviews whilst we're not missing any action out on the track with this red flag. Yeah, and it's a good opportunity to talk to Ashton because this is the race that you ran last year in this car, the 12 Hours of Sebring. So you are not quite a veteran, but you're experienced at it. Does it give you that familiar sense of, all right, I know how this works, coming back with the same team in the same car? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year kind of felt like a rush. It was all of a sudden we're like, you know what, we're going to run the 12 Hours of Sebring, and we came out here, and we felt like we did pretty good for the short amount of time we had to prep, but the Racer's Edge guys have done an amazing job getting the car ready for this uh, for this event, and, you know, Daytona was good to us in a lot of ways, and then it wasn't at the end, and now I think we have that little bit of a grit in our teeth. We're ready to come back and, and show what we have, and I feel like we've been able to do that these practice sessions. It's been good, and plus the typical Sebring is super hot, um, and the track is bumpy, so I feel like we're prepared this time. It was a power steering issue at the end of Daytona, right? Yeah, unfortunately it was in the last nine minutes of the race, passing for third. Hurts a little bit, but, you know, that it was it was a really good run. I felt like that we really showed ourselves and what we're capable of doing, so I'm looking forward to this event. The intent for you guys is to do the Michelin Endurance Cup, to, to run at that. But are you looking at any of those sprint races going, ooh, I'd like to try Long Beach? You know, WeatherTech Race for Laguna Seca might be fun. Uh, ooh, I've never been to CTFP, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm looking at them. Maybe. Yeah, maybe soon. We like having you in this championship. Now, you're a Super Trofeo graduate. Uh, you're racing again with Danny Formel and Kyle Marcelli, two guys who, again, come from that background. When you look at the competition, you look at the Lamborghinis out there, you know how those drive, obviously, after so many years in the series. Do you feel like you're grateful to be in the Acura? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and honestly, spending the time that I had in Super Trofeo really helped build me. And I'm so thankful to WTR for that. And coming to the Acura program for the last two years is, has been awesome. I mean, moving from a Trofeo to a GT3 car was awesome in general, but having my family, which is basically Danny and Kyle with me has been super good. And you know, we have such great chemistry and the WTR guys have really kind of molded us together. And I feel like that we're, I feel like we're a powerhouse of a team, honestly. And I'm excited to be doing this with them. Well, we look forward to seeing what you can accomplish. Back to green, so we'll let you run. Thanks, Ash. Thank you so much. And John, there is a definite air that's mm. different about this team at this race. I got to say, they have a confidence about them. Quiet, but confidence. It's amazing on 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 what small things that momentum call, that confidence call, share things can turn. And as you say, they didn't probably have the the best end to Daytona, but they showed pretty well there. Mm. And that's the sort of thing, Jeremy Shaw, that can. They can change the attitude in a team to, we think we can do it, we think we can do it. Oh, yeah, we, we actually can do it. All right, we might have been robbed by a mechanical fault, but that, that wasn't our problem. We didn't do anything wrong. No, that's right. It was a good confidence builder. They did everything right during that race from the operational standpoint, from the driver's standpoint. It was a really, really good, solid result for them, so, uh, or, or race for them. So to come here with that renewed confidence, knowing the car's working well here, uh, no wonder they are feeling optimistic going into this race. Had a couple of questions, including from Derek, who's tweeted in at IMSA Radio about the comparative lap times between the hypercar class and the GTP class uh, here this weekend. First of all, I'm, I'm somewhat wary of doing that because it's, the cars are not exactly the same. Uh, even the LMDHs, the Cadillac and the two Porsches are not exactly the same. In WEC, they're a bit more draggy in WEC. They're using different tyres in WEC, have access to different tyres in WEC, should I say, than the single compound that we have here. But for what it's worth, in the last session, the best LMDH car was the Cadillac uh, of uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, or Cadillac Racing, uh, and that car did a 47.1. The best Cadillac here has done a 47.6 in this session. Slightly different times of day. The best Porsche here is second and number seven, 47.9. The best Porsche in the WEC was the number five car, and that did a 48.3. Now, far and away quicker than both of those was a qualifying sim done by a Toyota Gazoo Racing where they did a 45.7. That's the fastest hypercar slash GTP time of the week by by a margin. Um, and they were that's four seconds quicker than they were going in the prologue at the weekend, by the way, under similar conditions in terms of the weather. The Toyotas were first and second with a 45.7 and a 46.3. Uh, the Ferrari was third with a 46.7. So... There you go. It's comparison. Um, Best Peugeot did a 47.9. The Glickenhaus did a 51.2. And there was no times from the bike collars because that broke down um, with the, we think, a throttle sensor issue as it was coming out of the pits. But for what it's worth, and there'll be people saying, oh, well, make all kinds of, 
no, we're not making anything out of that other than to say those were the times with the provisos that I've put on it. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm not saying, oh, look, look at that. Mm, and being snarky about it. It's just for comparative purposes. And we don't know what programmes everybody was on. And that Toyota programme, that Toyota time, was certainly a qualifying sim early on in that session. We'll get more data later on. Um, the qualifying times, of course, uh, that will come up later on for WEC is later on today where, w, where IMSA will qualify tomorrow uh, in the earlier morning. So that won't even be a fair comparison. Uh, let's go to Joe Bradley. He's down in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship event for IMSA Radio with Simon Mann. Yeah, the 21AF course of Ferrari is in the pits, getting some work done to it, Simon. What's going on? Is that just set up tweaks? Yeah, the guys are just looking into some electronic stuff. I'm not sure what's going on yet, but they're figuring it out right now. Is that a problem? Is that a problem that they're trying to? Is that a problem they're trying to figure out? I'm not really sure. They're looking right now, so we'll see. Have you been out in the car already? Yeah, I did a run earlier. Now Francesco's in the car. Uh, so hopefully he'll get to get a few laps in before the end of the session. What are you guys looking for in this afternoon session? Yeah, uh, just trying to get the car in the right point. So finding a good setup, setup that works for the race, not just one lap. And uh, yeah, just step by step working on the car. I think I know what you mean, but some listeners might not. Well, what, what exactly do you mean by getting the right setup? Yeah, I mean... Uh, what are you looking for? You need a car that's quite consistent. Obviously, it's a long race, so uh, not necessarily looking for a one-lap pace, something that's uh, easy to drive, you know, consistent. So we'll see. Yeah, and are you on target for that? The car's feeling pretty good out there? Yeah, I mean, we're working on it right now, so I'm confident the guys can uh, figure something nice out all together and should be good. Good stuff. Thank you, Simon. Simon Mann there from AF Corsa. It's a fair point that he's making there. If you're a pro driver and the car is right on the edge of adhesion and you're hustling the car all the time, that might be fantastic for two or three or four, eight laps in qualifying. But doing a double stint, which is going to amount in a GT car to probably something well over an hour, probably an hour and 20, an hour, maybe even an hour and 30 minutes, you're going to get out of that completely wiped out physically and mentally and if you're in a class where you have to have a non-pro driver, that's a, it's a non-starter because you're not going to have that consistency of being able to control a car. You want a car that's a little more, still want it quick, but you want it a little more docile and, and to be feeding back what the car is about to do, not you finding out what it's done by the time you're heading backwards to the, to the scenery. I think that's a great point, John, and, uh, you know, and particularly here at Sebring where you know, for the gentleman drivers, the, those who don't drive professionally they are not generally speaking getting as much track time as, as the professionals although some of them that's probably perhaps not the case these days with all the uh, with all the uh, practice that some of these guys do but generally speaking that's the case and certainly the the, the pro driver will be more at ease with the car being on edge than would be a, a non-professional driver so you're right you've got to be you know, Simon's point there he's he's not a pro uh, he's he's looking to have a nice consistent car that he can drive solidly through his stint keep it in contention and then allow the, the quicker drivers to go for the, the glory at the end that's why jeremy isn't it that it's so important whether it's a full pro class a pro with 
are two pros and an arm or two arms and a pro, it's good to get a driver trio for these longer races that like the car behaving in the same way. Yeah. It is no point at all in having one driver, whatever his experience is, that says, oh, I can't stand understeer, by the way. Yeah. So let's have all the understeer. Let's have it loose at the back. And the other driver going, no, I hate it loose at the back. Yeah. I'm not going to get any lap time out of it. You've got, you've got to balance. It's no good having one driver who's five seconds a lap quicker than the slowest guy. You've got to make the guy who is the least quick balance it all up. And when you think about some of the great partnerships down through the years, whether it's full pro or pro-am, those drivers have worked together to make sure that it's almost like their personalities are similar sometimes as well. But certainly the way they like the car has to be the same. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting topic, that, because you go back to what Spencer Papelli was saying a little while ago and you know, how good the chemistry is between himself, Andy Lally and John Potter. And, uh, you know, they're all on the same wavelength in every single way, shape and form. But, of course, in these races, uh, it's the, the ultimate result is going to come down to the final stint. Yeah. And so you want your pro driver to be you know, ready to, to go full out. And, and from their perspective, uh, they want their, their non-pro driver to be just comfortable enough to get through his stint without losing too much time. So there's all sorts of different ways of looking at that. By the way, number 10 car just come into the pits. Uh, Ricky Taylor having gone to the top of the charts. Fastest time of the day, 147.378 for car number 10. And that car now into the pit lane. Fastest car in LMP2 right now is Aram Motorsport. And the driver who put it there, Ryan Bial, Russell Dazzle, coming back to Sebring. It's always a bit of a learning curve, but you were just telling me you guys had a good test here a couple of weeks ago, and the car, it's still in that same window. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's funny. This is one of these places where you can come and test and think you're awesome and then come back 10 days later, and the car's uh, not so cooperative. Uh we came back with how we finished the test and the car's still obviously really fast so um, yeah but so it continues obviously maybe some changing weather on the weekend but uh, so far we're uh, we're really happy with the car how difficult is it to try and set up a car that's good for you dwight and that young rasmussen kid you got to uh, go along your hot shoe the good thing is when you bring in these hot shoes they don't care they just get in and they they're just happy to be here uh, so yeah christian's been awesome he just gets his back and uh, yeah, she has really good feedback. It's in it. He's never done this. You know, only uh, it was his third race now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Dwight actually has good feedback, too. And I think the main thing for us is we all seem to like the same car. So uh, we're making minimal changes right now. And the most important thing for Christian and I is not to get too carried away and make the car uh, too set up for us. We have to obviously be conscious of, of Dwight and making the car uh, comfortable for him as the bronze driver and with the more comfortable you can make it for the bronze the more confident they are to be able to maximize their abilities well you're only as good as your weakest link right so you do have to make it good for the bronze but christian i'm fascinated by this because you brought him in for petit Le Mans. you had him at daytona now you're at sebring are you telling him that this is the most difficult of all the races you're going to drop him into it gets easier from here uh, well, this is the first time he's been at the proper Sebring. He only uses that weird IndyCar track that they have over there. Uh, but uh, I think we're just gradually trying to convince him to uh, to come and race sports cars full time because clearly, uh, clearly he's really good. And you know, it's nice uh, it's nice that we're promoting somebody uh, who's trying to make a career of this. So 
um, you know, we, we narrowed down a lot of guys and we're really happy with the choice. Well, the last time you won the 12 Hours of Sebring was a shared event with the WEC. So let's make it happen again this year. What do you say? Yeah, I saw Jeff Braun had posted something that they won the P2 class. They didn't. We won it. So I'll remind him of that when I see him. But uh, yeah, I've always had really good races here. And even with Ira being on the podium last two years, uh, and we've been fighting through through both of those events. So uh, trust me, within this team, we're, we're definitely keen to get on the top step. Thanks, Ryan. Good luck. Thank you. I said, Prio, you, uh, you're down to drive the number 88 or Porsche. You've got a Jeanette, PJ Hyatt. We've just been chatting about achieving a balance that all of the drivers within the driver lineup is happy with. And, and your car is perhaps one of those examples where you've got an AM driver, you've got yourself, the hotshot, and you've got the experienced hand. So what are you guys trying to achieve? I mean, we have a good car for the race. You know, of course, that's the main thing. Not One lap pace is good, right? But um, we, need a, we need a car that's consistent the whole way through a race. Um, you know, and we've obviously got PJ and, and Gunnar. We need to make sure the car's happy for them as well. Um, you know, I'm okay uh, with the car, maybe a little bit oversteer, but, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't work for everyone. So uh, we definitely need to work on the car. But, I mean, at the moment, yeah, the car's not terrible. But um, we've still got some stuff to, to improve on, for sure. You're still a lap record holder here in the Pere at a Carrera Cup. You're still a lap record holder here in the Carrera Cup car, and you've got to drive those cars with a bit of oversteer. But a driver like PJ might not be able to handle that over 12 hours, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's, the, the Porsches are renowned for being a bit like that, but I don't mind that. It's a, it's a, it's a great feeling when the car's bang on. Uh, the Porsche around here works really well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, love those, I love the Porsche around here, and um, it, it does require a bit of oversteer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's also a good race car as well, so we'll, we'll just see what we can do. Where are you guys finding that balance of performance? I mean, Gunnar was not very happy at Daytona. Well, actually, no Porsche driver was happy at Daytona. Where are you now for Sebring? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, IMSA have given us uh, a bit more here. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're still, we still don't know where we are right now. Uh, it's, you know, we can only wait for the first lap of the race. So, uh, but, of course, step forward, uh, which I'm happy with. It was, quite a, it was quite hard at Daytona, you know, it was, it was a tricky race. But, hey, it's a new car, so uh, looking forward to this one. Yeah. Fresh motivation. Thanks, Seb. Yeah, just about held on to his lap record but we've got another race coming up later on this afternoon for the Porsche Deluxe Carrera Cup in North America and Riley Dickinson has been very quick indeed do we think Riley's got a set of uh, Michelins to play with in this second race yeah he does he, does, he didn't use that for the uh, other set of tyres in this morning's race but it's going to be quite warm this afternoon isn't it so I don't know Seb's, Seb's lap record might, might still be intact he, he, he held on to it by, by a few uh, hundreds of a second uh, this morning. Um, but, yeah, with the fresh stars, we'll see. it be interesting. I'm looking forward to that race. It's going to be another cracker, I think. This morning's one was good. And it was uh, absolutely yeah. superb with 40, uh, 40 cars out of the track. And you can hear it and see it live. No subscription required. It's all free. No blocks. Uh, if you go to IMSA Radio, to the top left-hand side, you'll see the little drop-down menu. Live video is the player there. We'll tweet it out as well on at IMSA Radio, which is the way to get through and see that. And indeed, all the Deluxe, Porsche Deluxe Carrera Cup North America races for 2023. 16 races this year, eight venues, uh, two supporting Formula One events at Miami and... The Circuit of the Americas, IndyCar and IMSA at Long Beach on the streets, Xfinity at Road America, 
and at Rensport as well at WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Sega. With IMSA, the sanctioning body signed through to the end of next season at the very least. Still very close ties with this paddock as well for the Deluxe Carrera Cup North America. And as I say, you can see that it's going to be great conditions for this. Yeah. Just maybe cool down a little bit on the track to get some really good times. New fastest time, Jeremy, in LMP3. A couple of laps ago, Dakota Dickerson laid down a couple of really good laps in that number 30 car for Junior 3 racing. And he goes to the top there with a 1 minute 56.608 for the, the young Californian. Let's look at the times from this morning's session. Fastest LMP3, he was also quickest this morning at a 156.3. So he's still a couple of tenths or so away from that time he set this morning, but it's been a really good day for that Junior 3 uh, entry. The car's been fast all the way through the day so far. Also an improvement there in GTP. Elio Castroneves jumping up to fourth position in the Acura car number 60 for Maya Shank Racing, 148.504. Got three cars in the 47s. It's 147.378. That was set just a little while ago by uh, Ricky Taylor. Uh, second fastest, Alexander Sims, much earlier in the session at a 147.6. And uh, Maddie Campbell in the Porsche at a 147.9. Just those three cars and underneath 148 this afternoon, this morning, the fastest time was only in the 148, so it was a 148.3 by the number 10 car that leads away at the moment. In P2, it's still the uh, number 18 era most what car, the time set by Christian Rasmussen very early in this session. LMP3, as we just said, uh, Dakota Dickerson actually has just been displaced from the top in oh. LMP3 by Josh Burden. Good effort by him in number 74. Uh, Riley Motorsports entry, the Ligier. Two Ligiers there, first and second at the moment. Wayne Boyd was fastest uh, until just a few minutes ago for AWA in car number 17. He's not now bumped down to third. Actually, it was Nico Veron who was fastest in that car, number 17 car. Uh, and then uh, Nico Pino for Sean Creech Motorsports in the fourth position. No changes recently in GTD. Still the two non-pro cars at the uh, who are fastest. Number 57, Winwood Racing Mercedes. It was Russell Ward who set that time of a 2 minutes 1.218. Just fractions ahead of Seb Sebastian Prio in the AO Racing Porsche car number 80. We haven't yet seen any laps from the 25 BMW M Hybrid, but it is about to make the hard right turn and come on to the pit lane and come into its box to get a fresh set of Michelin sticker tires. So this car, remember, was having the uh, torque sensor replaced. It is now back out on the pit lane. Nick Yellily is getting the honor of getting to take it out for the first laps of this session. And it actually drove out from the garage. The rollers were... Well, they look like pretty new Michelin tires. That's pretty strange that they would... I uh, know oh they were the ones from the first session. Never mind. So, yep, sticker tires for Nick Gellily. Let's see how long it takes him to get those up to temp. 
Thank you, Shit. Adam down there on the pit lane. 16 and a half minutes to go, so that means 90 seconds before we clear the decks and let the GTPs have a run at it on their own. And that's going to be entertaining. 47-3. Remind ourselves, 47-3 is the best we've seen so far by the Konica Minolta Acura ARX. That's a WTR Andretti racing car. And Wayne Taylor saying... Earlier this week, in an interview with Sportscar365, who once again are doing their usual outstanding work, uh, posting stories faster than I can read them. <laughs> every, every night when I've been getting back, my poor phone battery's been taking and battering as I've been reading through what's been going on in the day. Wayne Taylor saying, eh, two cars for next year, I think. I think that's what we want to do. We want to expand to two cars. And... Also expressing a little bit of disappointment with what happened at what happened at Daytona. And uh, by the way, we did ask Mike Shank if he wanted to talk to us about that, and he respectfully declined to uh, make any comment further than uh, the statement that went out some time ago. Just to let you know, we have asked the question. Louis Delatraz in the GTP leader at the moment, the number 10 car. New fastest lap for Dagota Dickerson in the Junior 3 racing machine, 56.382. So this is a cracking little battle yes. between the Junior 3 and the Riley car and Josh Burden. Yeah, he didn't like being bumped off there, did he? No. Dakota, he's so he's bounced back again. And that'll be his last lap, actually. We're inside the last 15 minutes, so they'll get flagged off now. And just hearing that a lot of sticker tyre shit, Adam, coming over the wall. Brand new Michelins. I love this time of the second practice session of every race weekend because all of a sudden the AM cars are sent off. And by the way, the 25, I was wrong. Sheldon Vandalinda has taken that car back out. So he was the one who brought it in at the end of the last session after having the whoopsie at turn 17. He is the driver who is testing it to make sure that it is good. Sticker tires on the 25 BMW M hybrid. Keep that in mind. But also for the Whalen Engineering Cadillac, that car into the pit lane, brand new Michelin's going on that. And Pippo Durrani, who we spoke with earlier, is very excited about racing here once again. Not looking back, only looking forward. Pippo made that very clear. We've also got the 0-1 that will be coming into the pit lane. And let me just make a little quick snoop. I don't see any new tires, and I do not see a driver change. So this one might not be a mock quality necessarily, which is interesting because Sebastian Bourdais is two times the pole sitter here at the Mobile One 12 Hours this evening. So I would fully expect to see a mock quality one with him behind the wheel of that zero. One Cadillac. Thank you, Shay. So into the pro side of things. One or two cars will be peeling off into the pit lane. Let's tell you who are out in the GTPs. Then Louis Delatraz in the number 10. Black and blue. Conic and Minolta. Acura ARX06. It's Felipe Nasa. Felipe Nazza behind the wheel of the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsports 963. Sebastian Bourdais for Cadillac V-Series and the 0-1 car. It is Nick Tandy. Oh, hello. 
Quick Nick Tandy moving up to fifth position with a 48.6. That's that car's fastest lap. That's the number six car with the white stripes on it. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais we mentioned. So that's the cars that are out already. I'll tell you as the other cars join. But this could be entertaining. Very entertaining indeed. As the... Uh, Tom Blomqvist has just gone out in the MSR Acura, the number 60 car. And Tandy coming down to the hairpin at turn seven now. Everybody running a tiny little bit wide there and dropping the left rear Michelin over the edge of the blue and white curbs. It's not dropping it over the edge that's bad. It's when they come back and what that's going to do to the inside shoulder. These look like mock qualifying runs. I'm seeing the Porsche being hustled by Nick Tandy, the man from Bedfordshire in the centre of the carbon fibre triangle in the UK. Runs Joe Tandy Racing as well. Well, his uh, team manager Nick does, another Nick. And they have been extremely successful. Porsche Carrera Cup GB. And over 100 wins clocked up last year uh, in the history of the team. And Tandy winding up to another quick lap here. Yeah, he's just gone uh, personal best in Sector 2, as has Sebastian Bourdais, who did improve his time, Bourdais, uh, fractionally a 148.016 there for the Frenchman, fourth fastest in number 01 Cadillac. Uh, Nick Tandy improves also 148.076 then for that number six Porsche. Top five cars within seven tenths of a second. It's still the number 10 car that leads the way. That was a time set uh, probably about half an hour ago now by Ricky Taylor in the number 10 Acura Air X06. But still the first... The, the first two sectors, both purple by that number 31 car, that uh, is uh, not probably going to be featuring again in this session. Had the problem at turn three. Didn't seem to be any major damage, but uh, clearly there's a problem with that car, and it hasn't been seen since. Mm, good point. Louis Delatraz out on the circuit, coming down to pass the Pro AMG. That is the WeatherTech car, the number 79. On the other side of the track, a couple of corners further back, the 01, Sebastian Bordier. That's the yellow-fronted Cadillac that fades into that dark grey. I actually think that's the one that looks the meanest, bizarrely. There's just something about that yellow colour that really accentuates the shape of the front of that car. Makes it look really... It looks like a chisel going through the air. Personal best here for Bourdais in the first two sectors. Nick Tandy still pushing along and another fastest lap for that car last time around. Personal best 48-0. Loses time in the final sector though, does Bourdais. Mm. He does improve his time, but not by as much as I would have anticipated. 147.989 then for Bourdais, the fourth guy under the 148 bracket. Nick Tandy coming to the line. There he goes. Does he improve? No. Where is he? A f- no, he doesn't. That no. was a 50.7. Got a bit of traffic that time around. There are 16 cars on the track at the moment. So Tandy setting off for another fast lap. Remember, he... Oh, nice driving. Who was that? He just passed 
looked at the uh, 31 Whelan car. I think it was. Pete Durrani on an outlap at oh, the good. team. And people, uh, obviously well in sync, coming out with those new sticker tyres on. And the team telling him, all right, go, go, go. Hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. You've got Tandy coming up on you. Stay out the way. And people doing the best for him and for Nick. Got out offline at turn four and allowed Nick Tandy to go through unimpeded without ruining himself, his uh, outlap either, and his prep laps on those Michelin tyres. Yeah, that's good to see the number 31 car then back out onto the track after that earlier incident. And even, even with that fairly lengthy delay, the car's still completed 23 laps. The most completed by any of the GTP cars is number 01 with 25. There's an improvement for Sheldon van der Linde. Car number 25 up to 7th place then, ahead of the sister car. Car number 24, 148.5 for South African. New second fastest time for Sebastian Bourdais. 147.522 for the Frenchman. He does improve in the second and third sectors on that lap. No new tires going on to the number 10, the Conic Minolta Acura, but they are adjusting the tire pressures, and Louis Delatraz staying aboard, so it looks like Louis is going to be going for another fast one. Maybe he's going to be given qualifying duties. That's a bit of a shock. Uh, I talked to him briefly because he is doing double duty this weekend with Team WRT in an LMP2 car. He said these cars are much more difficult to bounce back and forth between because at least when it was the old form, the DPI was the same basic chassis as the LMP2. Now it's a completely different beast with completely different buttons on the steering wheel. Yeah, it's, it's a good point, isn't it? Because it was these uh, LMDH GTP cars were meant to be built on the new LMP2 cars that are coming in for, it was originally 2024, now pushed back to at least 2025. Those cars don't exist yet. So these are going to be the basis of the new LMP2 if it turns up. SEO haven't quite decided, along with the FIA, what form new LMP2 will take and whether there will be a hybrid element to it. So it's still some time away talking to Orica's Bart Hayden about that in our prologue programmes for the WEC over on RadioLamont.com. Really, really interesting. But these cars, GTP as they are, known here as the class is known here the rule set is effectively dpi 2.0 being planned for a very long time lmdh is the catch-all and they are effectively bespoke builds for manufacturers by four manufacturers although of course dalara are building the same spine exactly the same spine for both BMW and Cadillac. They use the same basic monocoque structure, different things hung on it. Jeremy, Great last five minutes. Tom Blomquist goes to the top with a 147.049. Wow. He was purple in sector two, uh, personal best in sectors one and three. Now Pipa Durrani has improved also in that number 31 car. He went purple in sector three on that last lap, the Brazilian He's improved to 147.311. So 47.0 for Blomquist, 47.3 for Durrani, 47.3 also for the number 10 car. But that was set by Ricky Taylor. Let's see what Louis Delatraz can do when he takes, because he's back out onto the track now.
No new tyres we here for that car. Okay. So, not sure what he could do in that number 10 machine, which is out on the track, hitting its rev. Oh, he's throwing it around, I'll tell you that, through turn four into turn five. Now heading towards the long sweeper at turn six. It's absolutely flat, although you're turning slightly right all the time. Now heading down towards the braking area, turn seven. Big bump just as you get into the meat of the braking area. Runs a little bit long there and misses the apex by about half a Cadillac's width. A half a Acura's width in this case. Flat out through eight and nine. Pick your braking spot for the right-hander at turn 10. Again, a little bit of a change of surface and it's bumpy there too. Very gentle application of the throttle as he goes through a long curving 11 into a kink at 12. Now, tower turn. That's a much better turn in there. And he gets a super exit. Huge trench being dug on the outside of the blue and white curves. The left-hand side of the circuit there. Into the Jean de Bian bends. Flat. Then lift. Down two. He's got traffic. Going to come into 16 with a GT car right ahead of him. And goes oh. through without too much being held up. I think it was the uh, 23 that he passed Ross Gunn and the Aston Martin now in. It's turn 17. Bump, 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 big bump, smaller bump, accelerate bump. out. <laughs> and finish the lap with three minutes to go. And Louis Delatraz goes through. It was a decent lap, 148.6. That car's best of 147.3. Didn't have a completely clear lap, but my goodness, he's grounding that car out going through turn one. And Pipo Durani had a great lap going there, great lap. But uh, he elected not to complete it, came into the pits, so he doesn't improve his <laughs> lap time. But he was purple in sector two by quite a long, mar quite a big margin. He was almost That's half the a second well. clear mm. of Tom Blomqvist, who has set the fastest time. So the number 31 car has, uh, is purple in all three sectors, but showing up on the time charts is only second quickest overall because they didn't put that full lap together. But the speed is in that Cadillac, no question. Yeah, interesting. Bordet. Up to second in the 0-1 Cadillac, underlining what Jeremy Shaw was saying. The V-Series dot R, 147-0. is so close to that accurate time, yeah, but the 0.026 of a second. But his middle sector, which is 67 seconds, was a full second almost slower than Pipo Durrani. Uh, isn't that interesting how the yeah. cars are in the same category with... Much the same, you know, th those are the same, that's the same, exactly the same running gear, but they're making their time so differently. Yeah, well. So, you know, people's, well, people just, didn't finish the correct. lap, in, in fairness. So it's not a fair. So the zero one one Cadillac, which is... Gold at the front and grey at the back. I am reliably informed. Thank you, Ryan Smith. I still think it's the best looking of those colourways. And and trust me, if you know anything about me, you know I love red and white on pretty much anything. So the Whelan car has always been one of my favourites. It's just the way that Cadillac gold fades into the dark grey at the back. 
and something about the way it shows off that chiselled nose. If you had those three sectors for Pipo Durrani, that would have been a a 145.796. Which is what the Toyota did in their qualifying sim earlier on today in the WEC. So isn't that interesting? Uh, they did a 45.7 and everybody else sat up and took notice of that. Earl Bamba thought they couldn't get close to that in their WEC Cadillac um, from the same team, of course. A little bit more draggy, the Cadillac and the Porsche in WEC than they are in IMSA. Infinitesimal, I think, isn't it? I mean, it's minute, is what I'm told. It, it's, no? it's, bas- it's basically a little bit more drag, but what that how much that nobody's defined that in lap time for me yeah it it comes from the very small differences between the two wind tunnels where the balancing the performance balancing is done the audi uh that's right the audi wind tunnel at sauber is the wec baseline performance area for the aero and of course it's wind shear up in uh North Carolina. North Carolina for IMSA. Check your flag is out, Jeremy. Yeah, and Louis Delatraz, as as you say that, goes up into third position. So he does improve. 147.197 for Louis Delatraz in car number 10. So it's now a Cad- uh, Acura Cadillac, Acura Cadillac, then the two Porsches, then the two BMWs. Uh, and very quickly, because we haven't got a lot of time to turn around before our Porsche Deluxe Carrera Cup North America race. Uh, in LMP2, it's Aero from CrowdStrike by APR, from PR1 Matheson, from TDS, from Rick Ware Racing in high class, your top six. In LMP3, Dakota Dickerson and Josh Burden were having a cracking fight. They ended up just under two tenths between each other. The advantage going to Junior 3 Racing in the number 30 car ahead of the 74 Riley and the AWA Wayne Boyd driven number 17. That's Ligier, Ligier Duquesne. And in GT, the two fastest times were from GTD cars, but with very experienced drivers, Indy Donchi for Winwood in the 57 Mercedes AMG and the Porsche of AO Racing, Gunnar Jeanette in second. Third best of the GTDs was the Lexus of Vassa Sullivan, number 12. And in GTD Pro, a little bit slower than those two that I mentioned, Tommy Milner for Corvette, Roskun, Harter Racing, Aston Martin, so 3 and 23. And Daniel Surra for Risi Competizione in third. Next time we see these cars will be in the dark qualif- uh, the dark practice tonight. Hope you can stay around for that. WeatherTech qualifies tomorrow. We'll have that live for you in sound and vision. Full details at imsaradio.com. Bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to Imza Radio wherever you get your podcasts.